It has been a great time digging into the story of Esther together these past couple weeks. And if you haven't been with us, uh, first we saw Queen Vashti being banished from the kingdom, and then King Xerxes looking for a new queen. So he holds this beauty pageant, and Queen Esther is chosen. Esther is this Jewish slave orphan girl raised by her cousin Mordecai, and she is raised up. And meanwhile, there's this villain the evil, sinister Haman, who is rising up the ranks in the palace. And Haman uh, is so angry and bitter and has hatred towards Mordecai that he decides he just wants to, to kill him. And not just kill him, but kill his family. Not just kill the family, but to kill the entire Jewish people. And when Mordecai hears this, uh, he puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he mourns, and he communicates with Esther, and he says, Esther, this is your chance to, to reveal who you are, to reveal your Jewish identity, and save the Jewish people. You have been called for such a time as this. And Esther boldly approaches the king, and the king extends his scepter, and she says, Esther, my darling, whatever you want. He's not British, he's Persian, but for, for the story's sake, he says, whatever you want, my darling, and then she pauses. And because she pauses, several things happen. Uh, Mordecai builds these, uh, or Haman builds these 70-foot gallows to destroy Mordecai. Uh, the king can't sleep, and so the next morning he wakes up, and Haman, the hater of Mordecai, becomes Haman, the celebrator of Mordecai, puts him on a royal horse, uh, parades him throughout the Persian kingdom, and at the final banquet, uh, Haman's sinister plot is revealed, and he is executed on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And for most of us, that's the story of Esther, right? Uh, we told the story, the story's over, the good guys win, the bad guys uh, lose, end of, the, end of the book, right? Let's go on to the next sermon series. Well, we went through chapter one through eight, so it's over. So for so many of us, this is where the story of Esther ends. But there's two additional chapters. There's Esther 9 and Esther 10. Um, and so this morning, we're going to dive into these two chapters. And next week, we start a brand new sermon series called VHS, and it is going to be a ton of fun, a great way for us to start the summer together. Uh, and I really believe that there's something in these concluding chapters that we need to uh, understand and to seek in this moment. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Esther chapter 9. Let's explore it together. It says this, verse 20. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar. As the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy, and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. So here, in the closing chapters of Esther, uh, Mordecai is giving instructions for a new Jewish holiday, and the holiday is called Purim. Purim in Hebrew means lots, or chance, or uh, coincidence, uh, because way back in chapter 3, Haman had casted lots 
to find out which day and month he was going to annihilate the Jewish people. And so Purim itself is a reversal. It's a pun on something that was negative that became a victory. Mordecai now has become the second highest official in the land, second only to King Xerxes himself, and he uses his authority not to just bless the people then, but he uses his authority to bless future generations of people. Look at verse 28. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. Esther and Mordecai established a new holiday in the Jewish calendar called Purim. Holidays have always played a significant role in the Jewish people. Why? Well, because it's about remembering. Purim is a once-a-year party remembering when God brought relief to the Jewish people. The Jewish people are still partying at Purim. 2,400 years later, they're still partying with a purpose. And so today, let's explore this Jewish holiday of Purim together. Now, the holiday has morphed quite a bit and it's developed over the years, much like Christmas, right? Remember when the first time maybe we ever celebrated Christmas? There was no Christmas tree, there was no stockings, uh, there was no chestnuts roasting on an open fire, there was no elf on the shelf. Right? These traditions grew as the years went by. And the same is true for the Jewish holiday of Purim. There are things that get added that become part of the tradition. And the first thing that was added was new details to the story. Parts of the story in the book of Esther that was actually left out. And so they added a little bit. Interesting details that aren't found there. But rather, these tidbits began to arise out of a rabbinic tradition. And so the rabbis through the years made all kinds of embellishments about the story. Like when Mordecai is mounting the horse that Haman is holding to parade him around town, he kicks Haman in the face. Uh, another uh, folk lore from this is Haman's daughter seeing uh, Haman leading the horse mistook him for Mordecai, and so she dumped uh, a pot of food onto her father's head. When she realized her mistake, and it was in fact Haman, she fell off the roof in shame. These kinds of elements are added throughout the story to lighten it, to infuse Purim with a dose of hilarity. Uh, the holiday as prescribed in the book of Esther is very vague in its activities. Uh, in Mordecai's letter to the Jewish people, there are only two instructions, or a few instructions, for how to celebrate this holiday. Number one, celebrate the relief God gave the Jewish people, and that the days should be of feasting and joy, giving presents of food to one another, and gifts to the poor. That's it. To celebrate and remember. Eat, joy, giving of food, and gifts to the poor. Sounds like an awesome holiday. Those are the instructions. And from that, Purim has all sorts of traditions that have flown into the Jewish And I just want to let you know that while researching uh, how the Jewish people celebrate this holiday today, man, I've had a great time. Okay, it's been a blast researching this holiday. And so in honor of Mordecai and Esther's letter proclaiming the holiday of Purim, let's look at some of the creative ways that the Jewish people still celebrate this great day. 
Number one, they get very creative in reading the scroll of Esther. They don't call it a book, they call it a scroll because it originally was in Hebrew. So uh, every year, just before Purim, the uh, established rabbi of the synagogue resigns. And it's like a mock resignation. And then everybody in the congregation chooses another rabbi to replace him in reading of the story on Purim. And so uh, when the new rabbi tells the story of Esther, every time he says the name Mordecai, the crowd goes nuts. They cheer, they yell, they woo-woo, they, they go big. And then whenever he says the name Haman, they all boo and hiss uh, and get all upset. And so this new rabbi would throw in lots of extras, curse be Haman, blessed be Mordecai, to kind of keep the crowd engaged. Now, drinking in excess is normally forbidden in Jewish culture, except on Purim. Uh, rabbi Rava in the fourth century proclaimed, it is the duty of man to mellow himself with wine on Purim until he cannot distinguish between cursed be Haman and blessed be Mordecai. Uh, my amenities uh, suggested that to fulfill this dictum properly, one must drink until they pass out or fall asleep. Rabbi Jacob ben Moses maintained that one should drink till he can no longer calculate the gematria, which is the, the numerical significance of each name, of the phrases, cursed be Haman and blessed be Mordecai. By the way, both of those letters are equal the same number, 502. Uh, the second thing that the traditional holiday demands is dressing up. Okay, dressing up has become a part of Purim celebrations all over the world, uh, originating back in the carnival days uh, in the Italian Renaissance. Uh, kids dress up like it's Halloween. The adults put on costumes as well. Why? Why do they dress up? Because God disguised himself in the book of Esther, never being named, but pulling the strings behind the scenes. Why do they dress up? Because Haman changed costumes so often, going from a slave to a chief advisor to a hangman. Why do they dress up? Because of Mordecai's many costume changes, from regular courtly dress to ashes and sackcloth, to a royal purple tunic. By putting themselves in over-the-top costumes, they enact the fast-changing fortunes of the Jewish people and Haman throughout the book of Esther. And then this one's my favorite. Every Purim, it is encouraged to participate in light-hearted thievery. Okay, I didn't even know thievery was a word. But it's really fun to say. You can say it out loud in your homes right now. But Rabbi Moses Israelis said this, that they justified the practice of stealing food on Purim as an act done in the spirit of merriment and goodwill. So stealing becomes encouraged, okay? From the, from the hour when the book of Esther is written in the morning till the, the Purim meal in the evening, the stealing of food is not considered robbery, this is the equivalent to pranking people, right? Pulling pranks on people. Uh, my six-year-old son loves pranking mom and dad, though I'm not sure he fully understands what pranking is. One time he came out of his room with like 17 pairs of his own underwear on him, and he goes, pranked you, dad. And I'm like, that's a good one, son. That's a good one. 
And then every single night, without fail, uh, while he's brushing his teeth, Sarah and I go into Ivy's bedroom, we lay her down, and then Dex sneaks behind us and hides somewhere in his room, somewhere in the hallway, so that when mom goes to go and tuck Dex in for bed, uh, he jumps out and scares her. Sarah hates it, but Dex loves it. Pranked you, mom. Every single Picture a bunch of little Dexes running around pranking each other from morning till dinner. This is what happens in the Jewish community on every Purim. Sounds like an awesome holiday. The, the upside-down aspect of Purim provides relief from the burdens of everyday life. I think we could all use a little bit of that right now. A break from the everyday burdens of life. Purim is this, they tried to kill us, but we're alive. Let's eat. I can get behind that. It's a holiday of excess. Partying, drinking, reversing roles, irreverent parodies. It is a day when everything is turned on its head. But it's not all fun and games, right? We mentioned this earlier. One of the best traditions of Purim is giving to others and giving to the poor. This, of course, is prescribed in Mordecai's instructions to all the Jewish people throughout the land of Persia. Tradition says that you should give to whomever stretches out his hand. And to be very generous in your donations to the poor. For there is no greater and more splendid happiness than to gladden the hearts of the poor, the orphans, and the widows, and the converts. God's heart is for the poor. It's on every page of Scripture. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about God's heart for the hurting and the poor in our world. I once read that before we get into heaven, we must receive a letter of recommendation from the poor. Jesus is close to those in need. The church should always be close to those in need. And even on a fun and crazy holiday like Purim, God says, be generous to the poor. Okay, so now what? What's the application? It's a pretty cool Jewish holiday. What does that mean for us? Are we supposed to go and celebrate Purim now? Maybe. I think it would be an awesome holiday to celebrate sometime. Uh, prank people all day, dress up in fun costumes. But the application for us isn't that we duplicate a Jewish holiday that remembers God's faithfulness. The application for us is that we remember God's faithfulness. That's the application. How many of us need to be reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness in the middle of this season? Let's put it this way. Remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember. Remember to remember. Okay? Remember that? Remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember. Remember to remember. Remembering God's actions of the past gives us a better perspective on our future. I read of a young college woman who wrote home to her mother. And she wrote this in the letter, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm has been really broken. I broke it um, and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory where we had the fire. But we were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. I must admit that I am also pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. 
I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry, but I wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. Perspective. Sometimes remembering that in the time of Esther, the Jewish people were facing slavery, poverty, and genocide helps us put our own problems, our own difficulties into proper perspective. God brought about an ultimate reversal. He did it before. He can do it again. The New Testament relays this principle as well. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. Mordecai and Esther wrote this letter to all the Jewish people in ancient Persia to celebrate every year remembering the days of relief, not remembering the day that they took revenge and became the top dogs in Persia. No, it was remembering the relief that God gave them. Remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember. Remember to remember. I remember 1987, riding bikes down the hills in the summer, listening to the sound of cicadas. My only worry was if later on that day I was going to be able to catch more lightning bugs than my twin brother. I remember that peace. And if I think hard enough, I can remember the innocence of that moment. I remember my mom loading us up into the station wagon, getting ready to go to the grocery store, and the, us kids climbing over the back seat and then sitting in the, near the rear hatch where there were no seatbelts at all, mind you, without a care in the world, listening to Randy Travis. I remember getting ready for my first junior high dance. And I go into my parents' bathroom, and they had this brown and white wallpaper, and I look into the mirror, and then they had this mirror that was also like a hidden cupboard. And I opened it up, and I grabbed, my, I grabbed my dad's Old Spice cologne, and I doused myself in it, thinking I was going to be able to impress all of the seventh grade girls. Can you remember? Could what you remember in the past be useful in your present and also in your future? I remember just 75 days ago or so, waking up at 3.30 every Sunday morning, getting to the church by 5, unloading our trailer, setting up church for three hours, our children's ministry, our coffee cart, our foyer, our stage. I remember standing outside greeting so many of you as you walked up. I remember picking up your kids, smiling at their smile. I remember high fives and shaking hands and big hugs. I remember those days. I remember. And I believe that one day, when all this is over, we're going to have a party better than Purim. I believe it. 
I believe we're going to have a party one day when all this is all done, a party better than Purim. I'll close with this. Several years ago, when my son was two, he had developed this, this bad habit of when, you're, when he's sitting on your lap and he's watching his iPad or videos on a phone, he, when he wants you to see it too, he grabs your face and po- points it back at the iPad. He still does this. And I'm just like, son, you, you watch your videos and let me do whatever I'm going to do. But he just wants, he didn't have bad intentions. He just, he wants dad to be in it there with him, right? And so uh, one night a friend comes over and uh, uh, he shows up at the door and, and he's going through a tough time. And uh, Dex is showing off a little bit. He's doing his dance moves one side to the other side. And then uh, this friend's telling me about this hard time he's going through and he's venting to me. And Dex is kind of trying to get his attention. So I give Dex my phone. I say, here, son, like, just, you know, play on the iPad. Play on my phone. And uh, at one point, my friend says this, I mean, where is God in the middle of this? And at that moment, Dex sits on my friend's lap and shows him a cartoon video of Jesus on the cross. And he says, look, look. And then he grabs my friend's face and points it to the phone. Where's God in the middle of this? And this two-year-old shows him. He is with you, suffering with you in the middle of this difficulty, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of our own difficulties and shortcomings. He is suffering with us. If Jesus can overcome sin and death, I'm fairly confident he will take care of this mess that we're in now. Remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember. Remember to remember. Let's pray. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would bring us back to these moments of peace, these moments of innocence, these moments of relief, and that that could help inform your faithfulness in the present situation. Help us, God. Clear away the fog and the haze that's around us and let us know your peace. Thank you for the great reversal that we see in the book of Esther. And God, we pray for a great reversal in this world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.